0: Today is a big day for the town. There's streamers draped from light post to light post down Main Street, and circle squares decorated with colored lanterns and bright balloons. Now, that's a normal thing in town, but instead of the regular gray and tan coloring, today they are all green and gold, the official colors of Springshard. Because today is history day. Now, most towns are proud of their heritage and often have founders' festivals and carnivals on the day their town was first created. Spring Shard is different. They celebrate who they are every day with their unapologetic self-confidence. On History Day, though, they really go all out. Glossy pamphlets are left on doorsteps, children's books are brought in suspicious unmarked crates to the schools, and TV programs play on every channel all day. Each one tells a story of how Spring Shard came to be. After finishing my breakfast, I curl up on the sofa to watch the TV program about Spring Shard's founding. I know a little bit already, but not nearly enough to put a story to it. In front of me on the coffee table rest my notes on the town, some loose paper, and some pens. I plan on taking notes so I can hopefully tie together the history of the city to the present. The program opens on a group of settlers from the city. They're on a quest to find their own place to start a civilization based on the main pillar of society. Salt. The group consists of their leaders, the miners Billy Base the Bat, terrible, cowardly George, and Paul, their wives Mariah, Rose, and Emma, their children Robert, Ted, Becky, Oleg, and Lavender, and Paul's father Jeff. These three families tracked long and hard across the rough terrains of Canada, through cold autumns, to colder winters, to cold springs, to slightly less so, but still cold summers, until they came across a large, dark forest shrouded in fog. At this point, they reached a disagreement. Terrible, cowardly George and Paul worried that terrifying things may lurk in this foggy forest, such as bees, bears, their twelfth-grade physics teacher— or unprecedented musical numbers. Billy Bass the Bat argued that the only way to get a better life was to brave the terrifying stinging insects and four-part harmonies and make their way to the other side of the forest. Terrible cowardly George refused, and he and his wife Rose, and his daughter Becky headed back on their way, only to be accosted by an aggressive kick line. Billy Bass the Bat and Paul and their respective families continued through the forest for days upon days. Some were lost to bee allergies and abrupt key changes. But in the end, Billy Bass the Bat, Paul, Paul's wife Emma, Billy Bass the Bat's son Robert, and Paul's children Oleg and Lavender made it through to find a large open area with a big rock formation in the center. The settlers were overjoyed. Finally, a place to call their home— a place to set up a salt mine. They sent word back to the city of the civilization they hoped to found. Many people came, and soon a little mining town was founded. Time passed quickly, and soon the rock formation was reduced to a hill. Yet the only thing to be found was gold nuggets, not salt. The citizens were furious. Many left town forever. Those few with faith in Billy Base the Bat and Paul, and hope that salt would soon be found, stayed. As men and women went to the mines, children played along the edges of town. The only rule for the children was to never go into the woods. One fateful spring, as Oleg, Lavender, and Robert were playing on the edge of town, the fog seemed to fade into the town. Before the children's very eyes, the fog seemed to harden, crystallizing into a churning, opaque wall of haze, as if encased in some clear substance. As the children played, keeping their distance, a rogue ball got out of their reach. As it hit the mist wall, a small crack formed, loosening a little crystal-shaped chunk. Robert, being the bravest of them all, picked it up and brought it to the founders. The shard was placed into a capsule to be kept buried for many years, until the proper time came to dig it up. And that was how the name Spring Shard was founded. They were just talking, and they thought that it was a cool name, and no one else had a town named Spring Shard, so they decided that would be what they called theirs. Then Robert came and showed them this weird mist crystal, and any further discussion had to be halted, so they decided to bury this crystal in celebration. The program ends on that, and I sit for a minute stewing in what I just saw. A wall of fog at the edge of the forest. A crystal made of mist. Not so odd in this town, but it makes me realize that the key to finding out the secrets of Spring Shard may lie in today's festivities. I make my way down to Circle Square. Vendors have set up booths of classic Springshard crafts and foods. Actors have dressed up as the founders and walk around talking to children and their parents. Even Mayor Tetra Burns and Sheriff Orion Fairbrook have put aside their differences for the day. Hello, Taryn. I turn to see the leader of the lemonade gang, Lena, standing beside me. Hello, Lena. How are you? She continues to look forward. I'll be frank, Taran, I've been better. I worry something will happen in the coming days. What sort of thing? Lena, their leader, turns to me. Something that no one in this town seems to notice. Something that will change the way this town is drastically. She leans close to me. Something that has happened before and will happen again. I give her a confused look. Why are you telling me this? Lena, their leader sighs. Because, Taryn, you are different. I'm not sure you could handle the turn back. I'm about to argue that whatever the turn back is, I'm sure I could handle it. But before I have the chance, Connor the boy with shabby bangs and Lena the girl with the afro come and stand beside her. "'I'll come fetch you when it's time,' Lena, their leader, says. "'You shouldn't stay here longer than you must.' And with that, she and Connor, the boy with shabby bangs, walk away. Lena, the girl with the afro, hangs back and hands me a small garden gnome with a pink-painted hat. "'We've been preparing for this,' she says. Then she runs off after Lena, their leader, and Connor, the boy with shabby bangs. I turn the little gnome over in my hands. "'Preparing for what?' After spending some time exploring the Founders' Festival in Circle Square, I head down Main Street. At first, I plan to head to Dottie's, but then I pause. I stop in the doorway to a homely diner. Something is pulling me away from it, like an invisible force. A string tied around my heart pulls me further down the street to 11th hour. I enter the little clock shop and walk through the maze of ticking woodwork, as I near the back, I notice that one of my favorite clocks, a golden grandfather clock, has stopped moving entirely. Mr. Higgins, I call out. I hear shuffling from the middle of the timepiece maze and head deeper into it, finding Oleg Higgins rushing around, repeatedly muttering, Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Mr. Higgins, I say again, hoping to grab his attention. Oleg turns to me, Terran my goodness, I didn't see you there. After greeting me, he quickly runs from clock to clock. What are you doing? I ask. Well, the clocks are reaching the wait period before the turnback, but they are reaching it much sooner than I imagined. The turnback? He knows about it too? Mr. Higgins, what is the turnback? Oleg comes to me and takes my hands in his as he stares me down. Taryn, you must leave here as soon as possible. What? Us Spring Shardians, we are acclimatized to it, but you... I really don't know what it will do to you. Mr. Higgins, you're scaring me. You should be scared, Terran. He breaks away from me and turns away. This is humanity's eleventh hour. Lead this town while you still can. He fades back into the dark shadows casted by the tall, dark oak clocks. I leave eleventh hour and head back up to Circle Square where the festivities continue. People are dancing in the square in long, fancy dresses, Children run around with sticks of cotton and ice cubes in a cone. Whatever this turn-back is, Oleg and the Lemonade Gang are the only ones to know about it. Since no one else in town seems to be worried, I shelve it in the back of my mind and enjoy the day's celebrations. As the party continues well into the night, the lanterns and street lamps are litten by the lamplighters. Mayor Tetra Burns sidles over to me. Taryn, my friend, she shouts, how are you enjoying your first history day? It's fun, I say. Tetra, I was wondering. That's wonderful. Tetra chuckles. Life should be full of wonder, don't you think? Well, yes, but that's not what I was going to say. What I was going to say is if I remain mayor, I plan on making wondering a legal requirement for every day. Life is so much more enjoyable when people wonder. That's true, but the sheriff, on the other hand, I'm sure he would ban it. I have never banned anything ever. That's nice, Tetra. But what I'm trying to say is, I mean, I did ban reading the newspaper, milk, cows, non-biodegradable plastic bottles, and burning harmful fossil fuels, but really, Taryn, that's just for the betterment of our society. This is a very one-sided conversation, so I don't know why everyone thinks so much of that man. I'm the important leader. I could say whatever I want, and you would have no idea. This coup of his is futile. Really, you'd think he'd learned in the past 57 times he's tried to overthrow me. I read a newspaper the other day and drank milk while doing it. I mean, come on, he makes laws every day, and he thinks he can get away with it? I know all about the turn back. This causes Tetra to pause and look at me before sighing deeply. Terran, you've been talking to Oleg Higgins, haven't you? I nod. Don't trust a thing that man says, Tetra scolds. He is crazy. This turnblad thing is something he tells us about every twenty years. Nothing has ever happened. I don't tell her that the Lemonade Gang knows about it, too. Instead, I nod and walk away. As I walk back to my house, my way is lit by the lamps lining my street. I don't know what to think. Tetra seems unconcerned, but she's a little crazy, so her judgment is probably wrong. Both Oleg and the Lemonade Gang told me to get out of town. Well, my placement is almost over anyway. Whatever this turnback is... It's happened before, and Oleg seems to be terrified. I'll bet anything that the turnback is the key to finding out everything about this town. And more importantly, I'll bet that Oleg is one of the original founders' son. If anyone can tell me about that Miss Crystal, he can. This is AJ Robinson, creator of Chronicles of Springshard and the voice of Taryn March. I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode. If you liked it and want to know when the next episode is up, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Spring Shard Chronicle for weekly updates and teasers. Episode 8 will be up on May 3rd. If you like this episode and would like to listen to it even when you don't have Wi-Fi, it is available for download. If you want to listen while looking at a picture of the super cool cover art, you can also listen on YouTube. Check our social media for more information. The awesome music you're listening to right now is by Chaos Emerald on YouTube. Go check out her channel once this episode is done. In fact, if you're listening on YouTube, I'll even give you a link in the description below. You can also check her out on Instagram and Twitter at EmmaJoyceY. Special thanks to Jess Melton, Derek Taggart, and to you, listening right now. Happy History Day!